0: Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal, and we'll get it answered on the show.
1: You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hey, Christy. Hello, Hello. from Washington. Oh, yeah. Is it cooler there? Oh my gosh. It's amazing. <laughs> I, like, I'm kind of thinking I'm not going to leave.
2: <laughs> Just wait it out. I mean, why not? You're there.
1: It's, it's amazing. Like, out the window from my brother and sister-in-law's house is Mount Rainier and everywhere we go is Mount Rainier and it's just yeah. it's gorgeous and sunny and beautiful here and I know that they get a lot of rain at different times of the year but this is apparently like the sweet season
2: yeah you're in the sweet spot that's so,
1: right. yeah
2: well, okay I'm glad you're getting a break
1: yeah we we may get a little visitor coming up the stairs at any moment <laughs> point no
2: eight, where are you yeah, but, that'd be great I'd like to meet her
1: <laughs> um, but yeah
2: How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's hot here, so I think we're going to get a bit of a reprieve this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, And we're just gearing up for our kind of van life adventure.
1: We thought we we might meet each other in Washington, but it's not going to happen because you all had to push back your trip.
2: Yeah, we had to push it back, but... um, we, we'll, we'll meet each other soon I'm for sure we'll meet each other in 2021
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe so, I'll go to Kansas this fall you can for sure
2: yeah come to Kansas or meet me over it in um uh what's in between oh my goodness gracious meet me in Bentonville for the maybe I'll do that yeah yeah that would be fun we have to go and get some pictures of people riding there because you know with canceling big sugar um, yeah, we need some, we need some new assets as the industry word it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, man, what a year you've got a lot going on with bigger. Yep. <laughs> well, well, we have a really interesting and different kind of podcast today. And before we go into that, I did want to say we're actually taking a two week break, a little summer break, uh, just with being out here in Washington and helping take care of my niece. There's just a lot going on I just heard Aunt Cat. there's a lot going on um partially I'm here because my sister-in-law has to go for some back to Tennessee for some schooling and my brother's working a lot of overnight so so we're gonna take a little break um but we'll miss everybody we will I don't know what I'm gonna do not talking to you for two weeks (laughs) Uh, we could just get on zoom anyway
2: I know right you just (laughs) zoom me every once in a while (laughs)
1: <laughs> um but we're we decided we actually recorded these a couple of weeks ago, but haven't uh had a chance to just kind of go through the intro. we wanted to talk to three women and uh that are working in the community yeah, we've been having a lot of discussions around um what it means to build uh, more equity and equality and get more women and people of color in cycling and Although we, we want to see that on the national stage, we really believe that starts locally in the communities. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. um, we just wanted to talk to some people that are doing some cool stuff in their communities and hopefully um, hear more stories from other women listening to this podcast for you to tell us what you're doing in your community or... Maybe you're like, oh, I want to do something in my community. And we'd love to yeah. help you get started.
2: And we'd love to share those, those stories. We did just a few, you know, three quick little interviews just to get some conversation going around community building and what some people are doing. And hopefully that inspires you if that's your cup of tea or um, if anything, it, you're inspired to come and tell us about it so we can share your story on a larger platform. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, we're talking to somebody in, uh, your hometown first. So you yes.
2: you? yeah, yeah. Um, we're speaking to Tina Khan first. Um, if you've met Tina, um, you know, her energy and passion is, um, off the charts. It's like a 15 on a scale of one to 10. And don't you dare ask Tina Khan to turn it up because it will go to like 25. She's, she's a dynamite. Um, she is super passionate, uh, super smart and um is leading the charge for our kansas uh league um she's our first director and i couldn't think of a better person so we had we started with tina um to give us kind of an update on what she's doing with NICA and and even what she's done um in the emporia community just to get more people on bikes awesome so
1: we will go ahead and let you all hear christy's interview with tina
2: Hey, Catherine, I'm so excited that Gooders come on as one of our sponsors.
1: I know we love Gooder sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy, fun names. Like, I got Lan- Lance's Afternoon Uppers, and I got Rose Before Brosé. <laughs> <laughs> they're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're
2: no slip, no bounce, and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. Which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing.
1: (laughs) Nothing at all. You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet.
2: So go to Gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm with uh, one of my good friends today, Tina Khan. Hi, Tina. Welcome to our quick little Girls Gun Gravel mini
3: sode What's going on, sister? I How miss are you. you. <laughs> I haven't seen you in forever. Well, we get to see <gasps> each other right now, you know, virtually. Right. Yay, your flat face on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> Just like all the other flat faces I've seen today. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's too much Zoom. I'm done. I can't Zoom anymore. I want to start riding bikes and seeing people. I agree.
2: I, I mean, maybe this is going to be a new um,
3: movement for flat Stanleys that the schools. I was t- just thinking that, right? The flat Stanley that used to travel. It'll be like flat women on screens talking about bikes. There you go.
2: Well, we are doing a little something extra special with our Girl, Girl Girls Gone Gravel podcast, reaching out to women that are actively building their cycling community. And the purpose of that is kind of twofold. One, we wanna showcase the amazing work that you're doing. But secondly, we're hoping that this gives um, women ideas on ways they can be actively engaging in their cycling communities in there. So um, give us a little background on you, Tina Khan, the cyclists and the community activists, and then we'll talk about what you're doing.
3: Yeah. Totally rad you guys are doing this. I appreciate that because it is about building community. I mean, it takes a village, right? We can yeah. we can't do this alone. So I appreciate that, that content and the theme. So a little bit about me is um, athleticism was something I was always engaged in, but I really didn't feel like I belonged. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of health problems and from the age of two, you know, ended up in the hospital a whole lot. And so even though I played softball, I traveled on softball teams and I ran track and cross country. I just, I never really had the belongingness of being a teammate. And so I wish I would have had a bike when I was 14 or 15, right? And I had it as an adult because I went to the starting line of the mud year DK and I saw what cyclists, you know, like 2000 cyclists were embarking on. And I knew there was a podium. There was going to be a first place right there. But I also saw that all these other cyclists were, doing something to push themselves. And for the first time, I had this sense of, I could be long because it's about pushing me. And I just had this intrinsic thing of, oh man, I'm going to do that, right? But as a woman, totally fearful of all the things you hear at the bike shop, right? The dudes talking about their mechanics and their, you know, all their wattage and their outputs and all of that. And it was really intimidating. And so I thought I couldn't do that. I wanted to, but I couldn't. And so it took another woman. She just asked me one day, she said, hey, Tina, come on a bike ride with me. I said, really? And she said, yeah. So we just went on a 10 mile bike ride and I had the time of my life. I found like 14 year old Tina laughing, just like a gleeful little kid. And I haven't looked back. So yeah, awesome. Like it's just about getting other women on bike because I want them to find that belongingness that matters to me.
2: And you've been inviting women to ride with you.
3: Oh, absolutely. It's how you do it. You just say, let's go on a ride. Go on a ride. That's awesome.
2: Um, From that you've turned into um, something super special that we've got going on in Kansas. Can you speak to that?
3: Yeah. The uh, Kansas NICA official league director for getting more kids on bikes, which has been an incredible undertaking and super exciting because my Community engagement type side that's always been hey, let's go do more and let's get more people involved in doing things Met with um, my love of bikes and kids because I have a long career and background in education So kids matter. So I found these two things converging and about two years ago. Um, we all started talking about Getting kids on bikes and really officially having NICA um, Be present in Kansas and to have that Nika model here And so we have a great group of people building it and the thing I asked them every time we meet um, is why we're doing this, you know? do I wanna know what we're doing or how we're doing it because we can map that and we can figure that out. And Micah has that blueprint, but I wanna know why we're doing it. Because if we're not connected to that purpose, um, we're gonna lose sight and it's about kids. It's about getting kids, you know, the experiences on a bike where they belong, but more so giving them the skills to understand life, right? <laughs> That's what it's about. When you're on a team, when you're 15 and 16, there's a, there's a camaraderie there that's really different riding bikes together than dare say, you know, a, a sport with a ball. Yeah. Sorry, ball sport people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I had somebody say the other day, like what gymnast that, it, that you see when they retire um, is going to get back on a balance beam, you know? Right. Which I think is like a, a, a legit statement. Like cycling is a lifelong endeavor, endeavor and you're giving that to kids at an early age. So the Absolutely. NICA League in Kansas uh, was, just started. We're in what?
3: Year eight? We're in year two. two. In, <laughs> yeah. We were officially accepted spring of last year, March, March of 2019. Uh, officially accepted and started our onboarding process. NICA is really well, I mean, on training and onboarding and what we have to do to to have kids on bikes safely in venues with families enjoying that experience, but also the risk management of, of doing this well. So it's, it's a really in-depth process and we've enjoyed it. It's been awesome. We've learned a lot and yeah, we're just keep going. Last month we surveyed venues. We had Nike in town for a week and we rode around the state and surveyed venues and looked at things through a lens of could 300 people be here racing with kids and what would that look like from sixth grade through 12th grade and what would be race on? Yeah. That's exciting. Oh, it's been great. Did you find some good courses? Yeah, we have some secret courses. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. That's so awesome. Yeah.
2: Um, so with that, I mean, we're, I know we're trying to kind of keep these short, and I feel like I could talk to you forever about this kind of stuff, but... Um, right on. Tell us where um, you guys are at, and if there's ways our listeners could help.
3: yeah. You know, getting more kids on bikes, it takes a village. And so we've had an incredible partner in the Lawrence area through Sunflower Outdoor and Bike put us to a $100,000 challenge match. And so we're halfway through it and we've got about two weeks and we've not raised a lot of money and we have a lot of great conversations and partners out there, but um, we would love some help getting our kids up and off the ground for this inaugural season, spring of 21. So, yeah, support us and, and support your local NICA races also. If you've got NICA presence in your state, find those, find those people and coaches and reach out to that league director. Absolutely. But Kansas, gosh, we'd love your help.
2: We will put that information in the show notes. But what is the website or what's the best way to kind of find you guys?
3: Our website, kansasmtb.org. You'll that's, find it. all on our front page right there.
2: That's awesome and easy. kansasmtb.org. Sweet. Um, Super easy. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about? Any advice you have for help? You know, other women uh, getting involved in their community. Something simple that they could do.
3: So simple is if you are a cyclist and you are a female, grab another female and invite her on a bike ride. It's that simple. Boom. And if it's a little intimidating and scary, grab them and take them into the bike shop and buy something. Support our local bike shops and take them in and show them women have a place there as well. I agree. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, Kay. You're the best. Bye. Bye. friends.
1: Well, you were right about Tina's energy. She is amazing. And the work that Nike is doing all over the country is really cool. But I love hearing about it uh, in Kansas. And um, they're in the middle of raising some funds right
2: now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So it's one of those things. It's a, it's a match. So every little bit helps if you can, if you can help the Kansas high school cycling league, um, even with five or 10 bucks, I'm sure that they would totally appreciate that.
1: So So we'll put a link in the show notes for how to do that. Um, And next up, we're going to talk to one of my friends, uh, Becky O'Mara, and she has, uh, she and her husband do not come from a cycling background, but they uh, live in um, Adair Park in Atlanta and they moved there about 11 years ago. So that neighborhood started to become really popular because of the Atlanta Beltline. Um, but they moved there uh, when it was still kind of a rough neighborhood. And they just moved because they wanted to, to be a part of that community. And they ended up starting a, um, a bike shop that helps kids earn bikes and then creates a like job education program for kids. And it is just a really cool thing that they're doing in their community, getting more kids on bikes and, you know, helping them.
2: Great. Yeah. it's awesome.
1: Yeah. And the cool thing is she's like, these kids, like, that are really young, like six and seven, they know how to fix their bikes.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I liked that part of the interview where you could have a six-year-old working on your bike. (laughs) So... So we'll
1: go ahead and listen to Becky O'Mara talk about Bering's Bike Shop in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, this is Catherine, and I am so excited to be joining someone in my community that I've kind of known a little bit. We've been on the periphery of each other's circles, but got to know each other a little bit more last year. Uh, so I'm joined by Becky O'Mara. Uh, from Bearings Bike Shop in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi Becky! Hi! How are you doing today? Good, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. So uh, we've gotten to know each other a little bit through our friends at Plywood People and I've known Tim since Catalyst days a little bit, but uh, you all ended up starting a really interesting project by accident in Atlanta. So (laughs) Why don't you tell us about that? How you ended up in the neighborhood you ended up in and starting this little bike shop. Sure. Well, um, Tim and I moved
4: into Southwest Atlanta in 2008. And honestly, we were just looking for a cheap house in town. We wanted to move into the city and, um, found a fixer upper and took a chance on it. And, um, our house was right across the street from the neighborhood park so we kind of had front row seats to neighborhood life and just um, really early on just kind of noticed that they were just it was a challenging place to grow up. We had always kind of worked with kids and um, so just kind of resonated and were drawn to the kids and just noticed there were challenges between crime and drug use um, that was real prevalent. um, Even prostitution in the neighborhood and We're just we're just drawn to start getting to know some of the kids, and we'd talk to kids, and we'd walk our dogs in the park, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, one day, a little girl came by and needed help on a homework project. Brittany um, needed some glue, and so we helped Brittany build a mobile of the solar system on our front porch, and became Brittany's friend. So we would see her around the neighborhood, you know, just riding her bike. She was one of the few kids in the neighborhood that had a bike. And so we would see her riding her bike. And one day she came by and didn't have her bike and said, Oh, what happened? And she had flat tires, just the tires were completely worn through and um, told us that. And we said, we knew, we knew enough that they probably didn't, um, weren't going to fix it up or didn't have the means to. And um, we'd offered, Hey, we could help you fix your bike. If you wanted, you could do some odd jobs, earn the money. You know, we wanted her to have a little bit of skin in the game and she uh agreed she said oh that'd be great so we came up with little odd jobs around our yard for her to do and after a couple weeks you know it's gonna be like 40 bucks um to fix this bike so she you know swept the porch rake leaves that kind of thing uh we said okay that's enough we'll we'll get the stuff and uh we ended up surprising her with a new bike um it was like 10 bucks more and she was of course over the moon excited um rode off and 20 minutes later, there was a knock at our front door and it was her and two friends. And she said, they want bikes too. <laughs> we thought, ah, oh, we don't really, this isn't like a thing. Um, but we had the idea that people have bikes in their garages that their kids have outgrown. And uh, maybe they'd pass them along to us um, and we could get more kids on bikes in the neighborhood. It was a really bikeable neighborhood. And just thought, gosh, that'd be a great way to get kids active and, and get to know some family. So Uh, we just started asking friends first at our church and then else word kind of spread. And we took these, you know, used bikes and would fix them up. And uh, the trade with with neighborhood kids, neighborhood kids became, if you'd help us pick up trash in the neighborhood, litter was an issue. Um, If you picked up four bags of trash, you'd earn a bike. And uh, it just kind of spread word of mouth. um, Kids would tell their friends and we'd get to spend time with their Them and get to know their families, and uh, we kind of just stumbled into community development. We just um, saw this change happening. Um, One, just building a sense of community, but also um, people's perceptions of the kids started to change. You know, uh, it was common to to look at young people as a as a a threat. You know, because crime was high in the area, and they just assumed that young people were doing that. And when the kids and teens were picking up trash and helping kind of beautify the neighborhood uh and and giving them the chance to meet adults in the neighborhood it just changed their perception of one another so that was really valuable um and and just special to be part of we eventually ran out of trash um and (laughs) this is a good thing uh but we had realized kids really liked wrenching on the bikes they loved working on the bikes they would do it because they had to you know fix a flat or tighten a chain and that sort of thing. So uh, we eventually started a program where kids now um, build and fix bikes and that's how they earn uh, a bike of their own. Um, And uh, other skills development opportunities, you know, within the bike shop too. But that's the, that's the gist of it.
1: That's very cool. And I remember uh, when we met for coffee, you were just talking about there are a lot of programs that give bikes to kids, but some of what happens is they don't learn how to maintain the bike. And so then they're in neighborhoods that maybe don't have the resources to do that. And the bikes end up in the trash. Is that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we found that
4: early on when we were just even offering to help fix bikes, some people would, pull bikes out of the backyard and say oh my gosh i already have a bike i just never was able to fix it and um that was a big that's a big way of keeping kids on bikes we um you know we grew up on bikes and love bikes and um you know just know it just a, can be such an integral part of childhood and just such mobility and independence for teens especially but um the ability to keep it in working order um, is huge. And just the confidence that comes from learning that skill, uh, is really neat to watch too. And a lot of these kids love working with their hands and, you know, it's fun to work on a bike and it's something, I mean, we have six year olds that can build a basic, you know, 20 inch, um, kids bike, which is really neat to see. Um, that's awesome.
1: yeah, that's really cool. And I why was that important to you? And and Tim is your husband, you all started this together. Why was that important? You you have a little bit of a like a, a tough love, you know, like you have to take responsibility, you have to earn this. Why was why did you all see that as an important part of this? Yeah.
4: Um you know, it's kind of a worldview. I think it just sets the sets the path for um for adulthood, you know, just building those lessons into kids from an early, early uh, age is just important of, um, you know, you're responsible for you. And um, if you want something, you can work for it and get it and um, and go after your dreams and no one can limit you. Um, just building that in and Um, affirming the capacity in young people was important to us because once they did those things, they were like, oh my gosh, I can do this. And it, that was like a seed that then could grow into other aspects of uh, life. So we've seen that um, take root in a lot of young people and just think that's, uh, that will serve them well, you know, for years to come.
1: Yeah. I remember you telling me like, oh, if you, if you leave your bike outside, not locked up then, and you lose it, you've got to earn a new one. Like we don't right. we're giving away bikes without you earning it, which having worked with some other nonprofits that are, were very well-meaning, but had a little bit different bent. I saw it. felt like that might actually do a little bit more harm than good in the long yeah. run. You know, it also just put us on an
4: even playing field. It was, um, you know, uh, cause in their. They had, there was an exchange element there, they had, you know, in the early days when we were picking up trash, they had something valuable for us, they could help us, you know, beautify the neighborhood that was, um, you know, a benefit for us. So um, there wasn't a a superiority of one or the other, but it put us on even playing fields, hey, you can do that for me and I'll do this for you and we both get something and it made us peers in some way. Um, and that just changed, it, it kind of sets the way of how you look at one another um, and can build a, a friendship relationship on that, that I think um, is just, you know, healthy and positive.
1: Yeah. I think that's really important to think about in any kind of program you get into. It's like, there's, you're serving each other. It's not about yes. um, coming in to be the savior of this situation.
4: <laughs> right.
1: Yes, absolutely.
4: We did very much believe that.
1: Well, tell us about your, so you and Tim both worked other jobs at the time, um, and now you both run a bike shop and that's about to be a very large bike shop. So tell us about the shop and what that's all about and where that vision to take it from your front porch and a few kids came from. Absolutely.
4: Um, well, the, the program grew, um, slowly at first but we were learning so much um, as we were working with these kids and families and um, really started to hone in on um, the fact that you know there um, uh, there there's a lot of talk about the lack of opportunities in our area and what we were seeing was gosh there there are opportunities but There is often a lack of um, skills like what you don't possess the skills to take advantage of those opportunities. And that's true in all of our lives. You know, if you have a job that looks really great and you want it, but if you don't have the skills to uh, succeed at that job, you're not going to, you're not going to get it. So um, we started to hone in on helping kids develop skills and one of it is just the mechanical skills. That's kind of the framework that we work through. But another piece is the soft skills, the skills that can make a difference in future employment. So things like critical thinking and perseverance, um, just the value of hard work. Um, and those are the things that develop within the shop as kids participate in the program. Well, then we um, started, we had all these extra bikes around, um, that weren't getting earned. So we started refurbishing them and selling them to the neighborhood there. We found a market for used bikes, um, quality refurbished, used bikes, and, uh, and and affordable service in the community we serve, bike service. So um, we started an arm of the organization that just does that. We refurbish and sell used bikes and offer full service repair work, and um, that space has become a job training space for teens that have moved up to the youth program and now work for us where we can help them polish up on those employment skills even more um, and get to interact with customers. Obviously, they're progressing in their mechanical ability, so they're um, becoming really proficient bike mechanics um, and and serving the community in that way. So today we serve um, right around 300 kids and teens a year um, through a variety of programs, the few I mentioned, and, and just this year, a mountain biking team um, program where um, they're competing in NICA and learning skills through that uh, and and sell use bikes and offer service um, to the community as well
1: yeah you all are well you had planned to launch the NICA team and then the COVID hit so uh, so you're still that just started running correct
4: Yes. Yeah. So we're our practice recruiting and practice was delayed, but we're we're practicing with about four teens right now, and uh, our TBD on whether we'll compete this year or not if we'll um, be ready um, to get them out in the um, to do that. So TBD, but they're uh, the four that are participating are really enjoying it, and it's so fun um, to to see them get into that new sport. Um, that that probably would just wouldn't have you know been an option, or they just wouldn't have known about elsewhere or otherwise.
1: Yeah, well, and one of the cool things that's happening is they're starting to build a lot of mountain bike trails in parts of the city, like in East Point and South Atlanta, and parts where typically you wouldn't think there would be mountain bikers. And so I think it's opening it up to a whole new community um yeah yeah, absolutely way north to get to mountain bike trails right yeah it's definitely a lot more accessible
4: and there's a neat um kind of in-town mountain biking community developing and um with the the support that we can offer too of keeping the bikes in working order and transportation that kind of thing um you know a team in town in an area like ours becomes really viable which is cool to um to be part of that
1: yeah and then uh you are building out a giant new space on the Atlanta Beltline, which is really exciting. And what, what's your vision for that space? Yes.
4: Uh, we're about to open, gosh, it's almost 6,000 square feet. Um, right. Uh, on the trail. And, um, you know, we've been in such a tiny space uh, up until now. And some, you know, summers we've had, we'd have a line out the door of kids just like waiting to get in. So uh, just definitely the capacity to serve more kids um, at one time and expand our our sales and service arm. And then just be a space that, you know, celebrates cycling in our area is, um, is, I think is gonna be new territory, but really exciting for us. so we're looking forward to what will come of being able to do that there too.
1: Yeah, we had a guest a few weeks ago and she was talking about a shop that had a wrench night and I was like, oh, bearings will have enough space for that.
4: Oh yes, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. Especially working alongside like our teens or young adult mechanics. I think this is a neat opportunity to, and space, um, and you know we can connect people from different backgrounds and just allow a relationship to form. There's just a lot that can happen there naturally, whether it's just changing your, you know, perception or ideas of different folks or finding a connection point, a mutual interest. Um, we've just seen some really neat relationships blossom and there's just a lot of value, you know, even beyond just what, we do day-to-day,
1: day, um, that, that comes out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't wait for somebody to show up and a six-year-old to tell them how to build their bike.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have that six, seven-year-old, six-year-old come over and show you how to change a flat tire. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll kind of change you a little bit or make, like, make oh, maybe I
5: can
1: actually do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Well, last thing I want to mention because we do have a good number of listeners from Atlanta, and we are actually working on a project together. So, we are, uh, I started to notice a lot of my friends had were cleaning out their closets. And I know a lot of people in the cycling community, and I was like, oh, we should do a used gear cell. So, we are uh, collecting items and doing a used gear cell to raise money. For your program, so it's going to be October 31st, but we have um, different dates people can drop stuff off. So, what kind of stuff is helpful for you all?
4: Definitely, well, always bikes, bike parts, gently used or quality bike parts, um, tools you might not no longer need, and then for the sale, we're um, even taking gear, um, use quality, gently used kits. Uh, gloves, all the like, um, that kind of thing that we can kind of offer back to the community as well for folks either maybe just getting into the sport or just looking for some new stuff to add to their collection at a great quality or, you know, great price quality gear. Um, got a lot of folks that think will just resonate with that and you know it's kind of the stuff you don't normally take to goodwill but something like this could be a great way to support bearings get it out of your get it out of your house um, and know that it's supporting a great cause um, so we're super excited about it if um, you want to learn more um, we've got a page up on the webpage website now called just at org backslash gear up so you can check out more details there
1: and i'll put in the show notes the dates of collection and the little link to what all you're collecting and i'm i'm super excited about it i'm super excited for more of the cyclists to see bearings and again like you said like it's so sticker shock when you're getting into the sport or if you start getting interested in cycling like all this you're like oh my gosh this is such an expensive sport um so yeah, yeah. a lot of good gently used gear out there that i think um can go to a, a new home of somebody that would, might fall in love with cycling. Absolutely. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Becky. We're going to put all the links in the show notes and really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for
2: having me. I think it's so great to hear what Becky and her husband are doing down there. I did have two quick questions. Yes. That. One, the Atlanta Beltline. I'm assuming that's a bike path.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's the old uh, railroad trail that track that used to go okay. all the way around, 26 miles around the city of Atlanta. And so right. years ago, this Georgia Tech student decided, wouldn't this be cool to make this into a mixed-use path? So okay. it is, they're in the process of building it. So it's okay. a 26-mile loop around I
2: figured that much, but I thought, well, it'd be good to clear that up. Yeah. But then secondly, they are taking donations for all kinds of – stuff so I'm sure we'll have a link for that as well
1: yes and they're uh, doing a bike gear sale. so all these people I noticed everybody started having like stuff just lots mm-hmm. of stuff in their house that they wanted to get rid of and so why not give people an opportunity they're just getting into the sports to get some good stuff at great prices and raise money for bearings so the sale will be October 31st but they've got some collection weekends and we'll put awesome. that in the show notes
2: such a great idea. Yeah. Well, um our next person um Gabby Adams is actually a co-director of Big Sugar, a co-race director for Big Sugar. Um Gabby is young and um again like super intelligent and has really um worked her way into being an advocate for um just getting people of all color on bike and on bikes and especially you know, a, a real commitment to women. And she was part of the the single speed class at DK that when we first had our uh, breakout division of single speed women. Um, so, you know, Gabby comes to us with a big background in cycling, but more than that, a passion to see more people on bikes. So get to listen to Gabby. I'm Chrissy, back with uh, our little community episode, talking to Gabby Adams. Gabby Adams is one of the race directors for Big Sugar and is doing some things, um, has been doing things for several years to get more women on bikes. So, Gabby, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Hi, Christy. Um, Yeah, I'm one of the race directors for Big Sugar. I live here in Bella Vista, Arkansas. Moved here from Stillwater, Oklahoma um, almost two years ago. And yeah, trying to get more ladies on bikes and ride gravel and all the good things.
2: How did you get started in cycling?
5: Um, yeah, so I rode a lot as a kid, but um, kind of as a teenager dropped off and stopped doing that for a while because you just do whatever your friends do. And anyway, and then got into it kind of um, in college again and started trail riding with my dad whenever I got back into it and fell in love with it. Um, really loved challenging myself on the bike. And luckily, I lived in a community where. Um, There is a shop that um, brings people together for group rides and um, really has a strong community around it, District and Stillwater. Um, Anyway, and was fortunate enough to um, be introduced to gravel that way and introduced to um, a group of people that would encourage you to go on long rides and challenge yourself and do these really cool races where we met a lot of other people.
2: You've always been somebody, um, from my perspective, that has kind of pushed your own personal boundaries, but yet been totally willing to inspire and bring other women along for the journey. Um, and I speak that specifically to um, your insanity for the single speed, like I, I still don't understand that. But, <laughs> but you, you have crushed a lot of um, goals. I would assume for yourself on, um, single speed. So can you tell everybody kind of a little bit about what your background is with single speed?
5: Yeah. Um, so Land Run and now Mid-South are kind of famous for super muddy conditions where everything gets torn up, including derailers and all of that stuff. Um, and it's also pretty cheap to put together a single speed. So keep in mind a college kid putting together a bike, probably going to go with whatever you can get very easily um but yeah so kind of all of those things combined sort of encouraged me to get on a single speed and the first few times that I rode it on gravel I was really surprised at how it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be and it got kind of interesting like single speeders have this own like subculture within gravel riding and it's cool like everybody kind of challenges each other other to push it even further and it's kind of this fun little community within the whole gravel thing um but you know it's fun to mess with your gear and different gear ratios for different events and sort of a little bit of geekery that goes with that but um but yeah definitely like for a while there every event you know I really just wanted to see what I could do with the single speed and now that I live in an area with a lot of hills and very chunky, slow gravel. Um, not as excited about that anymore. Uh, my knees don't really thank me for riding it around here, but, um, but yeah, I think even in the future, I'll probably still try to bust out a single speed on some gravel events once in a while.
2: You were part of the group that brought, um, the single speed women's category to, um, you know, the race formerly known as DK. Um, what was that like? Yeah. So, um, whenever I got into
5: riding single speed and riding gravel, um, there weren't very many ladies riding single speed, which I thought was kind of weird and interesting. Um, so the first race that I did on it was land run in 2016 and it was super muddy and there's a lot of attrition. Um, but it was cool. Like right after that, uh, my really good friend, Allison Muda, who lives in Chicago, uh, sent me a message. I didn't know her yet. She had ridden with me for a little bit during Land Run and was like, hey, um, I noticed that you were riding a single speed and you did great. And she was like, the gravel world is coming up and there aren't very many ladies that have signed up. Or gravel worlds at all but there's nobody signed up for single speed she's like you should totally do it so i was like okay that's really cool and so we kind of became friends over that and i went and did gravel worlds in 2016 and i was the only single speed lady that showed up uh so i got a sweet jersey
2: (laughs) champion
5: (laughs) that's great um kind of ridiculous but Then after that, I was like, man, this is crazy. Like, we really need to get more ladies involved in this. Like, I can't believe there's nobody else racing this. Like, they have this category here. We should absolutely be out here. And then I noticed um, that DK didn't have a single speed ladies category. And that's when I was there uh, in 2016 with uh, my husband Thomas doing support for him. And I caught you and was like, hey, uh if we, like, what do I need to do to get this category made, basically? And you were like, get, like, seven or so ladies, and let's do it. And then I went and talked to Jim, and he kind of gave me the same spiel. And so uh, I was like, you know, I can find seven people to do this. Like, I can talk people into doing this. And ended up talking to Allison about it, and she was super stoked on the idea. And then very quickly, Allison accumulated like 10 ladies from Chicago like, <laughs> overnight, uh, this whole army of women on single speeds in Chicago that were like, yeah, 200 miles on a single speed. Like let's do it. And yeah, it was insane. 2017 was definitely one of the best years for sure. Like we had the category got made. Um, everybody showed up for Landra killed it. It was awesome. Um, it was a terrible year, but like There are a lot of ladies that finished on single speeds, which was super cool. And then, um, yeah, like, everybody showed up for DK. Everybody finished in our category. It was the coolest thing ever. Um, That was, like, a really magical year, for
2: sure. Where did you come out that year?
5: Uh, I I won. (laughs) (laughs) It was really crazy. That was literally the best year to do DK. Like, the conditions were Perfect. It was awesome.
2: Yeah. yeah, perfect, especially for single speed. Um, yeah. Well, and from that, you've kind of gone. Obviously, you said you moved down to Arkansas, um, and you've taken this role on as um, race director for Big Sugar. Um, obviously, COVID's happening. So, t- you know, talk a little bit about what you're doing in Bentonville, or what you hope to do in Bentonville, as things are moving forward in a new community.
5: Yeah. So moving forward, um, I know registration for this year for Big Sugar, um, everything's a little funky right now. So I know, you know, trying to keep numbers low and whatnot, but um, I know moving forward, we definitely want more women's participation um, The sell out super quick. Like we didn't really have super high numbers in registration for women, but moving forward, we'd like to create that space for women to come. Um, but yeah, even, you know, the course will be released soon. So hoping to do some group rides. There's a really large community of women here that ride, which is awesome. Um, and ride everything from like road to gravel to mountain bikes, like anything you want to go ride, there's a huge group of ladies to go with. Um, so that's really, really cool. Uh, everybody's super supportive of that. So, hopefully get some ladies out, um, for some rides on the course. And I know a lot of them, you know, have set the goal of riding a hundred miles. So I'd really like to do that.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. I need to come down and join some of your beginner mountain bike women rides.
5: There's a lot of, ah. yeah, through, uh, through women of Oz, like there's seriously like skills clinics every, all the time, every month. Um, they do a really great job of getting ladies out on the trail and teaching them cool skills and stuff. So there's plenty of that for sure.
2: Well, that's what Tim's, uh, new desire for, for his wife is to have a mountain bike riding partner. And I am not cutting it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Dude.
5: Yes. Come over here. Yeah, we do. We need
2: to bring the van and just like park it. And you need, you need to just take me out and, uh, not let me just not be like, let's go ride gravel. <laughs>
5: let's go ride
2: gravel. Just like, Yeah. There's some
5: good, like long trails that are like not super technical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a
2: good start For sure. So, yeah. well, um, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day to share with that. Do you have any tips that you'd want to give anybody to that are working in their community to get another woman on a bike? Anything yeah.
5: Be consistent. Um, make them feel welcome. I mean, if there's something that they have a question about, even if it's kind of a silly question, like don't make them feel stupid. We've all been there. I mean, we see people all the time that wear the chamois on the wrong side of the shorts. Like, it happens. We've all been there.
2: <laughs> I've had the uh, riders show up with their water bottles in plastic bags around their handlebars. I'm like, just help them out yep
5: yep yep there's a better way to do stuff you know we can we can all learn
2: (laughs) and then you can always joke about it over beers later for sure yeah yep Yep.
5: it's a great it's a great way to build community so awesome thanks gabby yeah thanks Christine.
1: well it was really fun to hear all the things that gabby is uh doing in arkansas and just how she's like i mean single speed is no joke especially (laughs)
2: It's no joke. And, she, you know, she did the DKXL. That's 350. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can I put more speeds on my bike? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but I, I really, I really like this format. I hope everybody likes it, too. Kind of getting to hear bits and pieces from lots of different people. And we can keep, you know, gathering some other stories, too. It would be great. Yeah. So
1: you can send us your stories. Uh, you can send them to me. I'm Catherine at Girls Gone Gravel. Dot com or you can send them through our uh, Instagram account but we love just hearing and sharing people's stories and also between Christy and I we know a lot of people so if you have a dream or a vision or something you want to do like we probably know somebody that can help you
2: yeah and that's I would love to do that that sounds awesome
1: so so we uh, like I said we're gonna take the next two weeks off and we will be back, I think it's September 22nd, but I could have my dates wrong. But we will look forward to connecting with y'all again um, in a couple of weeks. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listing platform. Our producer is Taylor Mahan Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com.